0: the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas. We thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. So glad to have you with me today. Um, although, I'm not necessarily in a very good mood, and I'll explain why in just a couple of minutes. It's taken me a day or two to sort of gather my thoughts, on the Democratic debates, I've got some thoughts, particularly when it comes to the notion of health care and the fact that Democrats are having big arguments about health care and a lot of people are fretting and they're, they're, they're you know, uh, clutching their pearls over whether or not this is doable and feasible. Well, I've got news for everybody, at least from my perspective. The one thing the Democrats have going for them is they're at least acknowledging that there's a problem with the health care system, something we have yet to see on the other side regardless of whether or not you like Bernie or you like Pete Buttigieg or you like Amy Klobuchar or Joe Biden or any of the other candidates in the race, be proud of one thing, Democrats. You're actually acknowledging the fact that our system is screwed up. And I'll explain my thoughts on that coming up on today's show. So stick around. The Craig Fawley Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by TechTown Detroit, Detroit's entrepreneurship hub. TechTown Detroit is a business incubator and accelerator, helping tech startups and local businesses launch and grow. TechTown supports businesses with co-working, office, meeting, and event space. They also connect entrepreneurs to resources and learning and networking events in Detroit. TechTown Detroit, Detroit's entrepreneurship hub. Hey, Craig here. Thanks for checking out the show today. I do appreciate it very much. Well, on, on Tuesday night, the Democrats had their debate and a lot of the discussion that followed up and the analysis of the debate afterwards focused on you know the animosity between some of the candidates and some of the zingers that were there in the horse race and whether or not America is ready for socialism and and is this going to hurt people down ticket if bernie gets the nomination versus somebody like a Pete Buttigieg or a Joe Biden who's much more of a centrist yeah all of these questions are fascinating but they're missing a bigger point and that is the fact the fact that they're talking about socialized medicine, the fact that they're talking about Medicare for all, the fact that they have competing plans for this, is at least the Democrats recognize that our current healthcare system is broken. It's not equal. It's unfair. It's obviously geared towards those that have stable employment or are well-to-do. And there's no better example of this point This is what made me decide to do this today. This is what made me decide to have a mini rant on this today. Because this is something that bothered me to my core. We, of course, had the press conference last night by President Trump naming Vice President Mike Pence as the sort of coronavirus overseer. He's going to oversee the government's efforts to stop the spread of coronavirus, make sure that vaccines are administered, all that kind of stuff, and that a vaccine indeed is come up with. Now, scientists around the world say that that we should have some sort of a a vaccine for coronavirus sometime in the next few weeks, which is great. That's the kind of response you'd like to see from a global health system. But here's the thing that really, really got my attention yesterday. Now, Health and Human Services Secretary, a guy named Alex Azar, he went in front of Congress yesterday and was talking about some of the research going on around the coronavirus, COVID-19 he requested $136 million from Congress to boost government efforts to fight the outbreak of the virus. And then went on to say that he couldn't guarantee that that vaccine would be affordable for everybody that might need it. Now, he was asked a question by Representative Jan Schakowsky of Illinois, a Democrat from Illinois. The question was, quote, you're saying that it will for sure be affordable for everyone who needs it. Here was the response from Alex Azar, again, the Secretary of Health and Human Services and a a, a Trump appointee. He said, we would want to ensure that we work to make it affordable, but we can't control that price because we need the private sector to invest. Price controls won't get us there. What? Price controls won't get us there. So what he is suggesting is that they are not going to put any sort of cap on 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 the price of this vaccine, despite the fact that this has the potential to become a very significant pandemic maybe even epidemic what does he mean by that price controls won't get us there i'm sorry you're basically saying if you don't have coverage or you're poor f you now granted the coronavirus may turn out to be very much like another type of flu pneumonia like thing that isn't a big threat for a lot of people but based on the spread we're seeing It is something that we need to take seriously. And if there is going to be a vaccine that could prevent the spread of this disease, you better damn well find a way to make it affordable for everybody. Because the most vulnerable populations, the poorest people, are the ones that are going to be least equipped to fend this off. What are we talking about? Price controls won't get us there. That, in a nutshell, is what is wrong with our current healthcare system right now. You're more worried about whether or not the drug company is going to be made whole for their research into this than the public good that they would be doing by stopping the spread of a potentially dangerous virus. Look, they can make eliquist, they can make all these other pills that have these names like Flovusa and Ringtuza and Zofluza and market this crap on television to people that don't even need it. So they go to their doctors and they sit there and go, well, I need Zofluza, even though they don't. I've talked to a number of physicians who say patients come in all the time thinking they have these ailments and wanting to get prescribed these drugs because they are being marketed to them because they make a lot of money on this stuff. They make a lot of money on these drugs that they have a patent on for now. So they market the heck out of these new drugs for diseases we didn't even know existed. Who knew so many people had this type of psoriasis? And I'm not suggesting that these ailments are wrong or, you know, they are A problem for a lot of people. I'm sure they are. And I'm glad that there's some research being done. But there's something wrong with the way that we're approaching this. And if you're looking at this, Secretary Azar, as something that maybe the companies are going to balk on because they don't think they're going to make enough money, well, I'm sorry. It seems to me that a vaccine for a potential pandemic or epidemic might be a good loss leader for some of these companies. This is what the government can do. They can say, this is Job number one. They did it to the private sector in World War II. Ordering these companies to convert their operations to wartime operation. We should be able to do the same thing and not worry about the pharmaceutical company's bottom line. Worrying about the health system's bottom line and whether or not these companies and hospitals are profitable is what has led us to this current situation we have with unequal coverage awful coverage, expensive copays, ridiculous bills, surprise billing, and spiraling costs. Almost every other country in the world has figured out a way to do this so that everybody's got access to some coverage, some health care. Nobody's just sitting out there uninsured. Nobody has to worry about whether or not they're going to get a bill that's going to put them in the poorhouse. Or a surprise bill from an out-of-network doctor who just happened to come in to do your anesthesiology when you're getting your kidney replaced or whatever it is you had done, and you get a bill for 15, 20 grand. That's oh, by the way, not covered by your plan, because they were out of network. Oh, you were under anesthesia at the time, so we couldn't let you know, but you needed the procedure, so f you, you have this bill. Oh, and we'll take you to court, maybe garnish your wages, so you because so you, you can't pay, or you get to file bankruptcy and we'll still duke it out to get our few pennies and pound of flesh out of ya i'm sorry there's something wrong with a system that allows this there's something perverse about the current situation that we have and the only thing the only thing that is making people out there think that this is a system we need to preserve is fear of the unknown And what their bills might look like if indeed we go to a better system. Or a more equitable system. If we actually come up with a plan to cover people. Oh, my taxes might go up. Yeah, they might go up, but imagine if you didn't have to pay that damn deductible every year. Or imagine, imagine the amount that you're paying to your employer every month for your share of your health care. Oh, which by the way, just 20 years ago, most of you didn't have to pay that. Your employer paid all of it. Not anymore. Not anymore. Your deductibles are higher, your co-pays are higher, and the share that you pay back to your employer for your health care plan is higher than it ever was. Now, the Affordable Care Act took some important steps. It got more people onto Medicaid, which was a big deal for those who did it. It gave subsidies to people so they could buy policies on the private market. But a bunch of states thought this was too much, too far towards socialized medicine. Our freedoms are going to go away. And so they denied the Medicaid expansion in a number of states. Well, gee, the health outcomes in those states aren't as good. Oh, the price controls that the states that did expand Medicaid, their rates have been going up a lot more slowly than those states that did not take the Medicaid expansion. There's more competition in the states that expanded Medicaid. There's more choices for people who are buying on the exchanges than there are in the states that didn't accept the Medicaid reimbursement from the federal government. The data is there. And I'm not suggesting the Affordable Care Act is perfect. I don't think it is. I think it was a step towards recognizing that we have a problem that we need to address. It's a half step towards solving the problem, but it doesn't always solve the problem. And if we don't do something to maintain it at this level, well, then you're going to be right back to where you were before pretty quickly. But what about this current system is something you are excited about? me something about your current plan that you love, other than maybe. Maybe you took a whack at the, uh, at, the, at the bargaining table to get your coverage, to get a better plan than, than maybe some other companies have. That's great. And I understand your reluctance to lose that coverage that you fought hard for. But imagine if your union was able to negotiate only on your wages and your health care was something that was already out there. Imagine if you weren't worried about whether or not your family plan or your percentage of your family plan was going to go up by 8 to 10% in this next paycheck. And that, by the way, we can't raise your pay this year and your health care deductibles going up a little bit. That's where we are. The health care plans that we have today are nowhere near as comprehensive or as good as they used to be. The only difference is more people are in the system. And so that is helping to slow the increase in costs. but it is not doing anything to reduce those costs. Right now, health care spending stands at 16% of our gross domestic product. 16%. Just about every other nation in the world that offers some sort of universal health care it's hovering around six to eight percent at the most some countries as low as four percent of their gdp with better coverage and guess what better outcomes now i'm not saying we have to go the way of canada or have to go england there could very well be some sort of a hybrid system that works really well in america And supplemental insurance is something that people should be able to buy if you want to make sure that you've got coverage for special things or, you know, all sorts of stuff, great. But the healthcare system we have in this country compared to other places doesn't cover some very basic stuff in many instances. It's a supplemental thing that you had to negotiate to get dental coverage or vision coverage or hearing aid coverage. These are things that cost people thousands of dollars out of pocket. You got a busted tooth? Good luck. Root canal, about $1,500. bucks. you have got coverage. It you know, maybe covers 50%. Oh, by the way, your maximum each year is $1,000. So you can't get another tooth fixed for another year. And I'm not knocking, you know, dental insurance companies. It's an important thing for a lot of people. But why is that not part of our health care? Why is vision care not automatically a part of our health care? Sometimes that is a supplemental thing. You know, last I checked, your teeth, your eyes, your ears, were all part of your head. Kind of an important part of the healthcare system. And really, really important when it comes to quality of life and other health problems. Dental care is not a luxury. Dental care is vitally important to the overall health of a person. This is something we should think about. And I'm not going to go on for too long on this because I, you know, I, I could. I could I could rant about this stuff forever. But I really want every single person who's listening right now. To think about their current plan think about what they have right now and is there anything about it that you really really love make the list of things that you would want to preserve in your current plan that you have whether you're on medicare whether you're on medicaid whether you have private health insurance whether you're on the exchanges think really really hard about what works in your plan what's easy what's great maybe you've got good po- copays maybe your deductible's low Maybe these are things that you like and you want to preserve. But think really hard about also what you would change about it if you could. What would you do differently? Because it certainly seems to me that there are a lot of things that could be done differently, a lot more inexpensively, and cover a lot more people. If we just thought about this as rational human beings and looked at this from a practical perspective and not an ideological one. Because last I checked, Japan, South Korea, Germany, France, the UK, Canada, all very robust economies based on a capitalistic model. But they all have one thing in common they cover everybody in health insurance. They're not going communist anytime soon. And this isn't some blow against your freedoms, it's not. There's a way we can do this. There's a way we can do this that preserves certain things. Like I said, maybe some sort of a hybrid of a lot of different systems that gives people the freedom to buy supplemental coverage if they want complete freedom over this, if they want to. You pay something above and beyond, but everybody at least has some sort of basic level of coverage that includes the most basic things that we need and making sure you don't go to a hospital or not go to a doctor because you're afraid of whether or not it's going to bankrupt you. That is an offensive, immoral situation. And I will say this again about the Democrats. At least they are saying it. At least they're trying to come up with solutions. At least they are acknowledging the fact that our system, despite how much we love to believe that everything in America is the best in the world, is lagging behind a lot of other countries in the world when it comes to the quality of our healthcare system. Not the quality of our healthcare. We have some amazing doctors and facilities in this country. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we deliver that healthcare in a very crappy way. In a very uneven way. And if you're privileged or you're well-to-do, it's not an issue. You can navigate that. But there's a whole lot of people that can't. And if you sit there and go, well, I don't want to pay for somebody else's health care, guess what you already freaking are. Every copay, every bill you pay, the reason it's so expensive is because you are basically covering somebody else's needs. Now, the hospital may never get that money out of that patient, but they're getting it from somewhere. Their profit margins are doing just fine. We can do better than this. And before you write off socialized medicine as some sort of a pipe dream, the fact is we're talking about it. And it's about time we did talk about it. The Overton window has shifted on this subject. It's a real discussion that is taking place. And before all of you cl- pearl clutchers sit there and talk about how, you know, Bernie's going to destroy us and take us down the path of, of, of no return. Maybe that's what we need when it comes to health care. What about our current system do you love? That's the question that you need to ask yourself tonight. What part of the current system do you love? And then weigh that against the stuff that you know could be better. Oh, and by the way, pundits, I care about the polls. I care about the horse race as much as anybody else. But at the same time, you owe us, you owe us as voters, a serious look at the various proposals and how they work and how they'd be paid for. Yes, hold candidates' feet to the fire if they've got a plan. But don't just rule it out saying, well that's expensive, without actually looking at how it would change the system and the costs that we're already paying for it. Be honest about this and take a look and wonder wonder, why are so many people attracted to candidates who are espousing this? Why are so many people excited about Bernie right now? It's because he's talking about something that they're feeling every single day. That they're thinking about all the time whether you've got an aging parent that's going to need care at home, whether you've got, uh, you know, a sick kid, whether you've got your own health problems. This is top of mind for a lot of people. And the Democrats are at least talking about potential solutions to make it easier on all of us and make sure that we don't go to bed wondering whether or not our health problems are going to cause us to go bankrupt. We are already morally bankrupt on the issue of health care in this country we have been for a long time, it's time for us to actually admit it and recognize that the reason people are gravitated towards candidates who are talking about this kind of stuff and talking about it aggressively is because it's time to actually acknowledge that we have a problem. You can't fix anything till you acknowledge you have a problem. And while there may be no rock bottom on this, I know we're trying to plumb the depths of rock bottom all the time in this country when it comes to our politics. We as media... We as voters and we as citizens have a responsibility to take a serious look at this and not fall victim to the stupid sloganeering and the shallow analysis that passes for a discussion on issues. Demand better all the way around. And in the meantime, if you start wondering why people like Bernie Sanders, it's because he's talking about stuff that people care about. And he's doing it in a way that's convincing them that maybe he's on to something. I haven't made up my mind yet on what I'm doing, but I'm certainly not ignoring what I'm hearing from people out there and what's got them excited and what's got them actually participating in the process this time around. <laughs> yeah, he very well could create some problems down ballot. But I'll tell you what, if a majority of voters come out and say that they want this guy, maybe we should be paying attention. All right, that's going to do it for today. I certainly do appreciate all of you and uh, thank you for your patience for my rant today. But it's important to me. This is something that we need to address, and we've been way, way too timid about it for way too long. You can send me an email, Show at gmail.com. You can send me messages on social media. I always appreciate hearing from you. And don't forget, tomorrow, the week that was on Deadline Detroit, we'll break down the week's news. We do that every Friday. Typically, about 11.30, we'll broadcast live on Facebook. Um, we're working on a couple of things. And then maybe maybe. We might move the time a little bit later. Maybe the afternoons are better on Friday. I'm working on a couple of those things with, uh, you know, some folks that do a lot of research on this, trying to find out when the best time to put that up is. But it'll also be available as a podcast, and we'll have it on YouTube a little bit later as well. So if you can't catch it live, don't worry. But I love the fact that we're watching live, because when you do watch live, you can leave comments right there. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. If you've got questions, you've got a point you want to make, I'd love to work it into the conversation. So we'll see you tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Well, that would be Friday. Remember, every Friday, the week that was on Deadline Detroit. I'm Craig Folly. Have a great day. And, uh, boy, just remember, get out there. Pay attention. Get out there and vote. Thanks. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com slash membership.